This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. The best ideas come about 20 seconds too late in my experience. Scott Owen. There's a mute button, people, don't worry. And Adam Pace. Well, look, I'm going to feel, I'm gonna feel like that, you know, I, I, I'm the one who shot Barbie's mother. Starting now. Well, another week, another win for the Brisbane Raw men and not a great weekend at the office for the women, but there is still plenty to talk about. Hello, everyone. It's time for another edition of the Brisbane Football Review, and we are running light this week once again. It is James and Scott. It was a busy Sunday for us, wasn't it, Scott? It was a very busy Sunday for us. Double header in the in the A with the men and women, and a couple of futsal grand finals, which you were calling on behalf of football. Quinter, very very busy weekend indeed. How are you, James? Good. I'm finally getting my voice back. Those futsal games were so fast. But um, before we get into the show, um, we are going to have to start off this episode on a fairly negative note. It's a bit of unfortunate news. Um, Adam's Mattel hunting trip over in New Zealand has uh, turned a little bit sour. We've just received breaking news. Uh, this morning that uh, when he was in Auckland, Adam has actually been kidnapped uh, by some members of Fireman Sam and he was last seen getting loaded (laughs) into a series of Hot Wheels cars. We are in negotiations, but quite frankly, we're not paying any ransoms for him because, well, we haven't made a cent off this show over the last eight years, so we can't afford it. But uh, thoughts are with you, Adam. Don't believe what you're seeing on his Instagram stories either. Uh, Those are being run by the Hello Kitty characters that have taken his place so uh hopefully we'll be back with adam next week but uh it's a bit touch and go at the moment scott it is we don't negotiate with any any parties who are, ne- who are doing those sort of things do we? we absolutely refuse to negotiate so if they've kidnapped him they're stuck with him that's the end of the end of the story but i always knew this would happen when either of you went to new zealand what you said about the wellington phoenix and potentially what you'll say about auckland in the next coming years i always knew that for either of you travelling to New Zealand would be a danger, and unfortunately for Adam, he's he's come unstuck on his Mattel hunting trip. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but uh, those are the risks you take. And um, yeah, let's uh, get on with the football now, since we've got the uh, box ticking exercise out of the way. And uh, we'll start off with the men's match taking place down in Adelaide, and it was a happy homecoming for Ross Aloisi, even though it uh, didn't look like it was going to be that for the opening 30 or so minutes as the Raw suffered a couple of uh, pretty you know, impactful injuries at the back with Scott Neville and Anthony Burke Gilroy being forced off in the first half. But um, yeah, the Raw weathered the storm, no pun intended, after the Wanderers game a week ago. But yeah, they survived and then got through uh, thanks to a couple of goals early in the second half. You can also add in the fact I think South Australia had a, quite a big storm on Saturday down there as well. So certainly weather the storm. And this was a really, really significant win for the Brisbane Raw, wasn't it, James? I mean, going to Adelaide is never easy. We've seen the way the Raw have gone down there in the couple of years, couple of years past. Remember last year they had that crazy game down there where the goal was disallowed and all the rest of it. So it's always a tough place for the Raw to go. But to go down there shorthanded with a couple of players unavailable in this game, including the inform Henry Hall, who was unavailable due to, due to injury as well. So with him not available, then Bert Gilroy and Scott Neville going off early to injury. To come out of that game with three points and play the way they did, it's a real statement win. And I think when you look back on the season, at the end of the season, you look back on this three points, think this is the day, if there was any question marks before now that this team is in, in the window to contend at the top of the table, they proved it on Sunday. It was a really, really good performance 
away from home, dealing with a lot of lot of adversity away from home. Yeah, and that was probably the most encouraging part as well, because this is a side that's built its, built its success through the Australia Cup and now the A-League on those fast starts, but they were decidedly second best early on as well, and they copped a couple of body blows that were, well, self-inflicted is probably the wrong phrase to use, but... You know, Adelaide had nothing to do with Burke Gilroy and Neville uh, injuring their hamstring and groin, uh, respectively. It was just a case of, you know, like more stuff getting piled on to the Raw. And again, they got through it and they were a little bit unlucky to go into the break uh, level because for a second it actually looked like they were going to go in ahead 1-0. They did. And look, in fairness, the Raw did... Adelaide were in a lot of control of possession and territory, but they weren't really able to do anything with it. It was all corners and little half chances here and there. Some really good last-ditch defending from the Raw defence, including Louis Zabala and Kai Trun, who came on off the bench to replace Scott Neville and Anthony Burke Gilroy and did exceptionally well at the back. So collectively, they defended really well. And you're right, the Raw had the best chance in the first half with that free kick from Jay O'Shea, picking out Taras Kamulka, who looked like he'd scored on his return to South Australia. But unfortunately, the offside flag came up via the video referee, which was, which was the correct decision but it would have been a really good moment for the Raw to go ahead 1-0 because if they've been able to do that after defending so well it really could have broke the back of Adelaide but they did that early in the second half anyway well allow me to channel my inner Patrick Mahomes here and say that you know just because of deception are you no 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 I'm going to say that because the goal looked cool they should just ignore all the rules and uh, not worry about calling uh, the infringement there just because it looked cool and it was Gamulka's first goal for Brisbane I think that's fair absolutely (laughs) <laughs> it works for Pat Mahomes, why not? Well, it didn't work for him yesterday. But anyway, uh, let's get back to the actual football. And when the Raw managed to start the scoring with Jez Lofthouse scoring his second goal for the club. And for the whole game for Lofthouse, well, the time that he played, I thought he was really damn good. He was really good on that left-hand side. He had a couple of chances in the first half as well where he was in position to have a shot and didn't quite get the right moment to take it or it was blocked but this play was a the goal was actually started by Jez Lofthouse and then finished by him with with the ball out to Nikola Milayuznic on the right hand side where the Raw had a lot of success actually in that second half getting the ball out to that right hand side and using the space of Milayuznic who we know runs really fast as you and Adam like to repeatedly tell us on the show although I think I'm now claiming that because I think <laughs> he's the one who's bringing it up all the time but they made made that space on that right hand side work for them and a really good moment for Jez Lofthouse, who's a, to me is a confidence player, and I think that goal will really do him a lot of confidence. And you could see in the game he was playing well, but after he'd scored that goal, his game went to another level from there, and he's working his way back from injury, you have to remember. He had that injury at the start of the year, which kept him out of the Australia Cup campaign, and now we thought saw the back end of last year, James, when he did get that goal, which I think was away against MacArthur. Yep. Yep. So once he got that goal at the back end of the season, you could see his confidence flowing from there, and Hopefully we'll see that continue on now that he has a goal this season as well. And we'll see some more more of these good performances we saw in the second half from him in the in the weeks to come, including on Friday night, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. But um, yeah, Lofthouse, he was heavily involved in the build-up uh, for the penalty as well. I think he had the pass uh, for O'Shea. And for a second, I thought Lofthouse was actually going to take the penalty because O'Shea was wearing the effects of that challenge when he got back up. He was, but Jay O'Shea doesn't miss penalties. We've, we've seen his record. You had to say that, didn't you? I know. I apologise in advance to Jay and everybody else, but he's got a very good record with taking penalties, hasn't he? So you, I always was was sure he was going to take 
the penalty and it was very well taken as as Joe Shea does. So I was always confident he would take the penalty. So right now, I apologize in advance again if, if the next one unfortunately doesn't go right. So the full names that we've established so far this season, Nikola John Milyuznic, he's quite fast, you know. And then we've also got uh, Jay Jeff O'Shea. He's pretty good at penalties. Yeah, okay. I think so. That's fair. We've just got to get the other nine players in the starting 11 down, Pat, with these names. I've got a couple Any of... Any suggestions, send them through to us. Yeah, please do, because I've got a couple that I'm workshopping uh, right now, especially for the defensive group, but uh, they, they still need a little bit of work before I put them out there for public consumption. Yes. Not quite uh, the Great Wall of Brendel, as Adam started calling the Morton Bay team back in <laughs> this MPL season. just gone. I'm going to also point out that uh, I had the Great Wall of Carrara back in uh, 2019. So I'm going to say Are you that... claiming he's, he's um, borrowed this phrase from you? I'm going to say adapted. But this could also yep. be a good test to find out if he uh, is actually listening while he's in that hostage situation. It's also why we're not paying the, we're paying the ransom. <laughs> anyway, yes. Um, so the rule went up 2-0 with the penalty from O'Shea. And it could have very easily, easily been four goals because yep. of that pace that they were using so well. But couldn't finish those chances. And I suppose if you are going to nitpick moments from this game outside of the injuries... There's not a lot to complain about, but you'd like to say maybe one more of those chances go because 3-0 is a very different feeling than 2-0, although, to be fair, 3-0 for the Raw in Adelaide has not been a safe lead in the past. No, 3-0 is not, not a safe lead for the Raw in Adelaide, but you will, if they had got that third goal, it would have absolutely put the game away. You would think, given the way the game was going, the, that game you're referring to, the goals were much earlier in the game, but... Yeah, it, it's one of those things where the Roar have had chances where they've gone 2-0 up in games a couple of times this year and not quite been able to get the third goal to really put the game away. We saw it did come back and bite them a little bit against Western Sydney, go away with it against Adelaide and a couple of other games. So it would be nice if they could put games fully away, but we shouldn't complain too much, James. They go, if they can get it 2-0 in front most weeks, I think they're going to put themselves in a really good position by the end of the season. Maybe I am just scarred from the fact that we've seen so many high-scoring games in the A-League, and this Raw style of play is great to watch, but I am just always paranoid that they're going to get the sucker punch on the counter-attack or something as well. But I think that says more about my mentality than anything else. Um, But either way, it's a good sign. Um, Yeah, and Adelaide, yeah, they didn't really have much to offer for the rest of the game beyond that, did they? No, they took off Nestor and Kundu about the hour mark, and he was always a live wire, as you know, and Musa Ture came on and he picked up an injury and had to go off as well. So the the creative flair players they have in their side weren't on the field by the end of the game. Ibisuki had his header off from a free kick, I think it was, in stoppage time. They hit the crossbar, but that's really as close as they came. The rest of the time they were kind of huffing and puffing and nothing was really happening. So it was quite well controlled, actually, from the raw for the most part. In truth, and again, they were the team more likely to, to get the third goal on the counter-attack, which is what you're referring to with the chance of Millie Usnitz and a couple of others which they could have potentially taken. So they were in large control of the game. It was a really good road performance. It certainly was. And you know, Adelaide's home form this season has been pretty damn good by and large. I know they got belted by Sydney at one point, but I I'm, feel like that was a game between two top four contenders now. For me, my expectations are rising and they will probably continue to do so with the way uh, the Roar are playing at the moment. But... For me now, top four is moving from being 
a best case scenario to now being just above a pass mark. Like finals yeah. remain mandatory, but I'm starting to think now top four is like definitely above achievable. I'm, I've got my tiers of yeah. success for the season and yeah, top four is um, becoming more and more mandatory in my mind. It certainly has moved into the realm of genuine possibility, hasn't it, with the way the Royals started the camp. I think they sit equal second on the table, one point behind like MacArthur, our top of the table at the moment. So they're certainly in the mix there to be a team who are, who are there and thereabouts. And they have played against a couple of really good sides in the last couple of weeks in Western Sydney and Adelaide. You know, I'm looking forward... And they played Wellington earlier in the season as well. And MacArthur actually in round one. So they've played pretty much all the teams in and around the top six at the moment, other than... Melbourne Victory Hall. I don't think they play until something like March, which is quite bizarre given the way Gaelic season works. So they've played most of the teams around them in around that top six at the moment. And other than that Wellington game where they were maybe second best, they've been pretty good in all of those other against those other four sides. Yeah, and I should just point out on the scheduling as well. Yes, it would be nice if you could just have it as a nice linear situation where you play everybody from rounds one to nine. Uh, then you flip the schedule and go rounds 10 to 18 or whatever the actual numbers are at this stage. I think that's uh, the way it was for NPL at one point. But, you know, with ground logistics, availabilities, travel considerations and whatnot, sometimes you've got to have a backloaded schedule against certain teams and other times it'll be front-loaded. It's just not a straight-up linear schedule. I mean, again, it works fine in the Premier League, but... For some reason, we hold the A-League to a very different standard. Anyway. It's just one of those peculiar things, isn't it? You, you don't play a team until like round 19 or something. It's one of those really peculiar moments in a season, but yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I'll go back to the NFL and say, what, the Jets and the Dolphins play each other twice in the space of three weeks. So, yeah, it, it happens. Good luck for Miami, but that's, that's for another show. Although, actually, it could be good luck for the Jets based on how today went. But... Um, Look, we're, we're in a good mood, as you can tell. The Raw picked up another win. Let's find out what sort of mood Ross Aloisi was in after the game. Yeah, well, there's a few things uh, in that first half that we saw that um, we need to be better at, um, especially in, in goal kicks. They were leaving you know, one, of the, one of the sides uh, free, so we adjusted that. We showed, showed them the footage. Um, on, the right, on our right-hand side, we were getting in behind them uh, late in that first half uh, quite a bit. Um, which is what we worked on as well during the week. Um, and there's just a few things that, that we showed. There was mainly three things that we showed at halftime and then became attitude. Um, and that was that was basically it. You know, It was the team that uh, wanted to win the most and, and was willing to push the ball around and, and play their football. And yeah, we should have been easy four goals up, easy. So just he also lost a couple of players in that first half, yeah. and from what I understand, injury. Um, did that worry you? I mean, they were both defenders as well. Yeah, uh, it always worries us when we've got injuries, but we had two players on the bench that were covering uh, certain areas anyway, so um, I think they, they came on and did extremely well, Zabala and, and Truen. Um, but it's never good to have injuries, but these are uh, non-contact injuries. And a lot of it has to do with what we've been playing on in the last two weeks. And it's taken a toll on our player. Henry Hall has got to have a knee operation. He's another one uh, post-game, no contact. 
So it, that's the frustrating thing because the players put in a lot of hard work and a lot of time and effort into the, um, their training. And then I'm not blaming Suncorp. I'm not blaming anyone. It's just, you know, it's not... We're playing on, on fields that are not fit to play on. As simple as that. So I, I really do hope that the APL step in and, and do something, but it's disappointing. Yeah, again, you know, it's it's a good win, but I've got two players out injured now, again. And that audio courtesy of the A League's website, Scott, where uh, Ross largely happy, I would say, but he did have some interesting points about the uh, playing surfaces as well. Yeah, you heard part of his answer there about the playing surface. It did continue on after that, where they were talking about the Adelaide playing surface down there, where they had a concert. I think they had Foo Fighters, actually, ironically, who were at Suncorp tonight. They've also got talked about the Western United field at Amy Park and also Suncorp. And he mentioned that he, in Ross's mind, the injuries picked up in this game to Anthony Burke-Uroy and Scott Neville, as well as the absence of Henry Hall, were non-contact injuries, which, he's, which they're attributing to playing on the Suncorp Stadium field over the last couple of weeks. So that's unfortunate. But regardless of the injuries, that's a, as I said, it's a huge three points away from home against a really good side. And the fact they did it without two important players in the side, in Scott Neville and Henry Hoare, and also Anthony Burke-Gilroy, who's done a good job as well, without those players makes it an even better win. Yeah, and... The defensive depth is really getting tested once again for the rule because Burke Gilroy was brought in in response to the Corey Brown injury and it sounds like he's still, at this stage, he'd be what? Uh, it's only been a few weeks. So, say, month and a half at the very least, probably longer because of the way he's been uh, eased into this season as well. I'd be looking more on the three-month side for the injury recovery for that. Again, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. So my opinion in this is uh, not really worth much when it comes to qualified people. But that defensive depth is starting to thin out a little bit. It is. Aaron Ridden was listed as on the injured list last week as well when it came out. There's a lot of some indications he might be resuming training in this week. So maybe that's the case where he might be able to take a spot on the bench. But... The Raw had six defenders on the weekend and they finished with four with Scott Neville and Anthony Burke-Gilroy going off injured. So if, if there certainly are are very short on numbers defensively, hopefully there's some players coming back in the not-too-distant future who can provide some depth there because that is the area at the moment where the Raw are being tested the most. They've got, still got good numbers through the midfield, even without Flo Berenguer. And that's another thing. They've played this well in Adelaide without Flo Berenguer and so we've spoken how well He's been in the Raw, well, how well he's played for the Raw this year. He wasn't there, but they've got good numbers in midfield. The attack is actually getting stronger now with Carlo Armiento returning off the bench in this game. Jez Lofthouse getting more minutes. So they've got numbers in the front third. It's at the back where they're just a little bit short on players available, and hopefully they can get through the next couple of weeks without any further injuries. Yep. Uh, we'll get to the 3 2 ones in a second, but that just sort of prompted something that. I noticed on Sunday, and Simon Hill brought it up in the commentary as well, we were a little bit surprised that the Raw didn't try to replicate what was, by and large, a pretty successful game plan from last season where they were really peppering uh, Joe Gauchi from the corners. A little bit, actually, because if you see something work so well, normally you re-replicate it. But I do think, if I think back to last season, I think other teams took that took that tactic the Raw were using, of swinging the ball right in on the top of where Joe Gauchi was and 
he seemed to get a bit better at it by the end of the season. So maybe they looked at it and said, no, he's a young goalkeeper and he's improved on that element of his goalkeeping. So it's no longer a bit of a weakness. So maybe they've realised that's no longer a good avenue to attack. Although I still would have tested it just because it worked so well for him last time. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. 3-2-1 votes for the player of the year, Scott. I did it last week, so it's your turn. All right, it's my turn this, this week. Okay, so I've gone with three points for Jez Lovetow. So goal, and I'm giving him an assist for the penalty as well. I know it's not officially an assist, but he did play the ball through to Jay O'Shea, and he was really good in the second half in particular. So three points for him. Two for two for Jay O'Shea, who just continues to have a fantastic season. I saw on the post-game show I was talking, he must be in the running for those individual player of the year awards for around the league, and I, you would imagine he'd be right up there given the way he's going. And I gave one point to Taris Gamorku in midfield, particularly in the first half when the Raw were more under a bit of pressure. I thought he was really good in midfield at, in his role in there, so they're my 3 2 ones this week. All good. All right. Um, your other story of interest from around the A League this weekend? Uh, it's the team the Raw are playing on Friday night. It's Western United. They are in a bit of trouble at the moment, aren't they? Seven games played, just one win, and not a good performance on Friday night against Central Coast Mariners either, was it? So it was a a very average performance from Western United. I'm sure they're going to bounce back strongly on Friday night, which could be a danger game for the <laughs> Raw, unfortunately for them. But the form of Western United for me is a bit of a concern. And also, actually, Newcastle, away from home, everything they've been through to go and get a win over Wellington, that was superb as well. So they're the equal two things for me. Sorry if I've just taken yeah. yours. No, that's all good. I have a couple up my sleeve. But can I take something from the Raw game if it has nothing to do with the Raw? Sure. Okay, good, because I want to talk about the reaction uh, Aaron Kunda when he got subbed, because he does seem a little bit off his game this season, and you do sort of wonder, you know, the pressure of the move to Bayern Munich, and I do think he's been marked a lot more closely this season, because, you know, playing into the stereotypes, you've got the defender saying, all right, we've got this young uh, whiz kid coming at us, let's see if we can make him whiz himself. Apologies for the crude uh, imagery there, but it does seem like he's going to have to go through a bit of a maturing process as a player where he realises he's not able to sneak up on anybody anymore. He's not going to surprise people by coming off the bench and just being the live wire on the pitch because he's got the freshest legs. I think now he's going to have to learn a little bit more nuance with his game, maybe pick his moments when to really go for it, and accept that if you want to be the best player on the pitch, you're going to come in for a lot of attention, whether it's you know positive where they're just putting two defenders trying to shut you down, or negative where, hey, there's a chance to kick him in the shins, let's do that. It's part and parcel of football in the way it is, and if you're the best player on the pitch, someone's going to be trying to stop you at all times, and unless you're you know facing a really, really incompetent team, they're going to know where you are for 90 minutes plus stoppage time. So he's still young. He's got a lot of progression to make, but you also wonder if maybe that's, this move to Germany might benefit him because he will be going and getting out of the spotlight. Chances are he'll be playing in the Bayern youth setup uh, for a little while, maybe getting on the bench for a couple of uh, cup games here and there to start off with. But it might be a great opportunity for him to escape what has been an incredibly bright spotlight justifiably so because he is such a good talent but maybe he's also going to realize that the focus over the next couple of years for him once he moves to Germany is head down get the work done and just get better and I think the, the ceiling is 
sky high for him in terms of talent. It'll just come down to you know, how he matures, how he adapts, like a lot of these young players that go overseas. And it's not just young Australian players either. Yeah, it's a learning moment for him, isn't it? Not just this game at the weekend, but also the red card we had in Melbourne about a month or so ago. It's been very much a case where, you're right, last year he was able to come in and be the pinch hitter, wasn't he? Because he was able to come in and do what he did, knowing that Craig Goodwin is on the left-hand side for Adelaide and he can be a support role in in, in a way to him in terms of not not the not the outlet all the time for Adelaide. Now that he's Craig Goodwin's moved on to Saudi Arabia, he's more of a focal point. So it's a real learning moment for him. I'm sure the weekend's game is a learning moment for him as well. And I think when he does get over to Bayern Munich, yes, it might be good to get out of the spotlight in the youth setup in the second team originally. But when he gets into, the, if and when he gets into that Bayern Munich first team, the pressure he's feeling now is going to be nothing like what he will experience in and around that first team over there. So I do think he needs to find a way to deal with it. I'm sure he will. A lot of a lot of players go through this, so he's not not unique in that sense. So I'm sure he will, but it's a learning moment for him at the moment at in Adelaide, and it's probably a good spot for him to have these learning moments in a comfortable environment, James, where Carl Viet's going to look after him. You know that. He's taken a really good approach in terms of Nestor's development and progression into the sides. I'm sure they'll look after him, but he does have a bit of learning to do in that particular area. And again, what 17-year-old doesn't? I mean, find me a 17-year-old who's a finished product as a professional in whatever industry they're in or you know, as a footballer or even as a person. And the thing that I'm really interested in is I think naturally here in Australia, we're all kind of biased in that we want these young Australian prospects to do well, to go on and become the next Harry Kuehl playing for, well, I wasn't a big fan of Kuehl when he played for Liverpool, but that's for different reasons. But, you know what I mean? Like, you want these Australians to go on and justify that we justify the theory that we can produce good players here in Australia, whether it's, you know, the local NPL clubs, the A-League, they all have a part to play in those uh, player development processes whereas in Germany he's not going to be judged on anything other than hey, he's a part of the Bayern Munich team it doesn't matter if he's Australian French German Spanish whatever like that you know homegrown hope isn't going to be applicable for that um, the reason in some I'm also cases they might judge him more harshly because he's a player coming in yeah that's a good point um, the reason I'm also happy to keep talking about this as well is because well, we haven't got a lot to talk about from the women's game because it was a bit of a rubbish day at the office for the uh, side. It was 5-1 to Canberra. Um, you know, I guess at least Cannon Clough would be happy with that scoreline as well. Honorary Queenslander uh, Cannon Clough. But, um, yeah, one change made by Alex Smith in the starting lineup. Hannah Holgerson in for Ash Brodigan. And, yeah, it, it was just rough from the start, from the outset. Uh, Vesna Milivojevic... I knew I was going to stumble over that one. Um, got a hat-trick, and it pretty much summed up what was a dominant Canberra display where they were far and away the better team for the entire match. Yeah, two Queenslanders will be happy with that result. You mentioned Cannon Clough, the adopted Queenslander, and also Coco Mastovic, who came on off the bench in that game as well for Canberra United late on in goal. So they'll be very happy. You're right, it wasn't it wasn't a good day at the office for the A-League women's side, was it, on Sunday afternoon down there in the nation's capital, 5-1. And it started off sluggishly, and it unfortunately never really got better. They had some moments 
in the game, it, it sounds crazy, 5-1. They did have some moments. Tamika Yallop, Mia Corbin and Sean Fryer combined reasonably well at times to create some openings. And they were did have some chances in the first half and in the second, but this was a really good performance from Canberra to pick up there. First win of the season, and Vesna Milivojevic's third goal in particular was um, pretty good. Yeah, no, that was a really good finish as well. And I think the biggest disappointment for me is the fact that, by and large, Jordan Silkwicks has been so good this season as well, but even she couldn't stop what was a rampant Canberra team that clearly knew how to get after the Raw this time around. And I think it was a mix of Canberra just having the right tactical approach for this game and the Raw just, as you said, being a little bit sluggish and slow out of the blocks. And this is, again, probably what we're... I hope not, but I think my big worry is that this is going to be all part of the Alex Smith rebuild project where I know they said when they made the coaching change that they're expecting this to be a title-challenging side, but from what you've seen in the last few weeks, I, I'm i not seeing it. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm putting aside the coaching change. The first two weeks of the season under Gareth McPherson were really, really impressive. When they beat the two traditional contenders at the top of the table in Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC back-to-back to start the season. And since then, even under Gareth, it's gone in a slightly downward trajectory. So whether the coaching change triggered anything or not, I don't think necessarily that is the case. But this wasn't a great performance and there's not a lot more we can say about it, unfortunately. I think we've got to give more... I want to give more credit to Canberra, actually, because it was... For them, it was a really important game for them back at home after the international break. They probably really set themselves for this game to get the three points and kickstart their season. Because, again, it's their first win of the season, so I imagine it was a really important game for them, and they certainly came out with that intent, and they thoroughly deserve their win. Yep, and that's pretty much where we're going to have to leave that game recap, because, again, what do we, what, do we, what more can we say about that? Because that that's as good as it's going to get uh, from us in this case. There's no uh, I do have one... we can take out of it, is there? No, and you don't want to go... Good pressure Corbin to get the goal to set yeah. up Sean Fry. So that's a, that's a positive, but at that point it was 5-0. Yeah. Or it was 3-0. Oh, no, 4-0 at that point. 4-0, sorry. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you're right. Like, anything more we say now would just be piling on. And, frankly, I think... Yeah. I think all you have to do is look at those reactions in that second half and go, yeah, that... You know what's coming along as well, and... We're not going to try and sugarcoat and say that it was anything other than a, a bad day at the office and something that will need to be improved on this coming weekend when they head back to Perry Park. And we all we have bad fu- days at the office, James. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we won't go into those now because, well, people aren't really here uh, here to listen to us talk about our day jobs. Instead, they're here to uh, listen to my three two ones for the game and... Not to turn it into an either-or situation, but uh, it was a lot easier finding the 3 2 ones for the men's game than this one. I went with Fryer, Corbin, and Yallop. But, yeah. Let's move on, because um, we are going to try and keep this one a little bit shorter since uh, it is just the two of us. We've got an announcement from the Raw for the upcoming 2024 NPL Queensland season, and... Can I just say, if every NPL club opted to do this, this would be very much appreciated for my uh, commentary notes as well, just announcing the full squad. It is 
much appreciated so that I at least know roughly who to expect when I'm calling these teams. Uh, the headline additions for the side, uh, Lions attacker Ivan Ozzy and Brisbane City midfielder Jack Benham. Um, Ivan Ozzy, I cannot wait to see what he does in this team as well. Uh, he was a bit of a live wire for Lions last season, scored a brace in his first NPL game against Brisbane City back in March, and uh, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, what about you, Scott? In, out of the new additions, who are you looking out for? It is those two headliners, isn't it? Ivan Ozzy was really good for Lions last year, filling that role where Alex Fechner was so good for them in 2022. He was really good for them. Ivan Ozzy came in and filled that role quite well in 2023 for Lions, and I think he will be a, a really nice addition to the Raw Academy's attacking unit under the tutelage of Ben Kahn and, and, and Richard Greer there. So that'll be a very good combination there to coach him, but that's what I'm looking forward to. Jack Benham actually was really impressive in the elimination final or semi-final, whatever they ended up calling it in the Classico against Lions between City and Lions. It was really good for them in that game. So that's a really encouraging thing. And I think we'll probably see some of the young players play some minutes in this team. I think you might see a little bit of a little bit of Ryland Brownlee, a little bit of Quinn McNichol at times in these games as well. So it'll be boosted by players like that. But it's a pretty good squad of young players here who've done quite well. And there's some youth internationals in that team like an Eddie Ince as well. So it's a good mix of players and we'll see how they go in 2024. And I agree with you. I'd like to see all the, all the teams do this. I know that some of the teams are announcing players now. So hopefully once they've announced their full squads that way, we'll have full squad lists for all teams in the NPL next year. And if anyone from said uh, clubs across NPL and FQPL1 uh, listening, if you feel like sending your squad list uh, through at some point to brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com so that I can start my prep for season 2024, that would be much appreciated. And when we see these people at the grounds in a couple of months' time, that was James who made that request. I want to make that on the record. Well, the only reason I'm asking for that as well is because I don't go to grounds anymore. The commentary's all done remotely. Yes, we still do go to grounds. We get to speak to these wonderful people, and it's always a great joy. So please do not antagonise them on our behalf, James. I'm not asking. I'm not antagonising. I'm asking for help so that <laughs> I can actually do the do the commentary well for for once at least. Your words, not mine. <laughs> yeah, well, I had to, I had to get in a uh, lead with the chin on that situation. Um, before we move on, though, I want to highlight a couple of the holdover players as well because yeah. there's a few names that. Think it's still probably a couple of years off featuring in the A League, but if you are going to be tuning into the NPL when that kicks off in February, I haven't actually got the date in front of me for the exact weekend it kicks off, but I think it's about mid February, there or thereabouts. Yep. Um, I think the Pro Series starts early February and the season proper starts mid to late February after a couple of weeks of that competition. Yes, um, I've actually just decided to bring that one up now. NPL men will start the weekend of February 23rd. And that, and the only reason I specify that is because uh, that's the competition where all the Brisbane Royal Youth Games are streamed as well, with or without commentary. Absolutely. There are some holdover players that you were talking about as well who did quite well last year. Cameron Anson took a big step forward at the back last year. We saw Nathan Geyer play in the Australia Cup briefly, so here's another one. I mentioned Eddie Ince is a former... Australian Youth International. So there's some some good players who are continuing on from last year to to this year to help strengthen the group. But again, it's a it is sorry, it's a young group, but you expect that. And that, the group they announced, I think, it's also their 23 squad combined as well. It's not just 
their MPL squad. So that's, that's the full group who will play across the uh, seniors competition and the 23s. For sure. A um, couple of the holdover names that I've also got uh, my own as well. You mentioned uh, Nathan Geyer. Uh, Zane North as well, uh, son of Jade North. And the midfield trio of Noah McGrath, Riley Gill and Damon Gorrell. I think they were all pretty heavily involved last year from memory as well. And, um, yeah, Noah McGrath, I think he was very... He was at Lions before that. And, yeah, I know they were quite high on him there as well. So, going to be interesting. Um, they obviously don't have the protection of that relegation exemption anymore. So, they have to build a side that is able to compete week in, week out. And, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how they go as well because... They're only a few years removed from that uh, semi-final run. They are, and last year they actually did quite well, didn't they, as well? So, I think, again, they'll build on that this year. This year, I think, again, there's some really good players there. And, again, we didn't even mention the attack yet. Players like Takiri Beckett, who came in midway through last year from Eastern Suburbs, and Ty Cobb, who was really good for them as well. So they've got some good young players as well. But, again, I think that also this team will be strengthened at times by some of the fringe A-League players who are not playing at that particular point in time if someone's coming back from an injury they'll probably get a game in this side or if there's if it's a fully fit team maybe some of the young guys will drop back into this team for for some match time so it'll be a boosted squad on top of this but as a baseline squad it's a pretty good one i'm looking forward to the mpl preview coming up in a month six weeks time give or take how's that happen so quickly it feels like the grand final descended and we're already talking about when the season preview is going to be yeah i think we should probably start working on that i guess we'll try and release it uh, around about a week before the NPL season starts, week and a half like we normally do. Yeah, somewhere around then. As long as we don't have a repeat of uh, was it 2022 where we we're about to go record it and then I got a call saying we had to go to the hospital because my wife was almost due with the baby and she needed a checkup. To be fair, it was a very good reason to miss the season preview. We'll let yeah. you off on that one. Yeah, for sure. I was actually out for a run when I got that call, and I think that might have been, like, rushing home to get to the car was actually possibly the fastest K I ran all year. I can't imagine why. Yeah. <laughs> Although, actually, just since we've got a bit of time, I will say the uh, my favourite story from NPL season 2022 was calling that uh, Mackay uh, Magpies Crusaders game against Brisbane Strikers in round one, the only game that was going ahead while... Um, because Brisbane was flooding at that point, and that game was taking place in Mackay, while panicking, going, are we going to lose power at the Double Take uh, studio? And also, are we going to... Uh, am I going to have to leave that broadcast midway through the match? Because, I've, again, I'm getting the call that, oh, labor started. Also, wasn't it raining up north in Mackay at that point as well? It probably was. I that think was, it was. That was one little detail that I probably just yeah. let slip from my mind. And actually, speaking of raining up north... Uh, Best wishes to everybody up north. Well, the weather's not great up there this week. So for all our listeners up there in North Queensland, we're thinking of you and good luck. Over the next couple couple of days, it's probably going to be a rough week. So good luck. Yes, indeed. Um, And we'll have full NPL Queensland coverage across the men's and women's competitions uh, coming up in season 2024 as well. As you and Adam make your way out to the grounds, kissing hands and shaking babies. Or is it the other way around? That's what the mayor does. I don't engage in that stuff. I'm I'm not in the political game. He's not running for higher office, is he? There's a re-election campaign for the mayor next year. I was thinking something higher. He might do, you never know. (laughs) Alright, there was a COO update from Zach Anderson uh, regarding a couple of issues 
with the club at the moment. The main one that we continue to talk about is the uh, surface at Suncorp Stadium not being up to scratch. Um, yeah, Suncorp resurfacing part of the field following the Foo Fighters concert, which I believe is happening not too long from now as we're recording. And uh, the key quote that jumped out as well, looking longer term, Kaz and I remain committed to working with necessary government bodies and sporting codes to address the issue of available quality infrastructure and funding for our sport. And as we are going to keep doing for the time being, uh, this is an, uh, as good a time as any to plug the Fund Football Fairly campaign that's being run by the Chris's. Um, make sure you're signing the local and state government petitions to try and get Perry Park made up as a home of football, not just for the Raw, but for like the whole game here in Queensland because we need a home. Yep. Every other sport has a home. It's time that football gets one as well. And this is just purely a personal opinion here. It's I, I love the idea of Ballymore as a venue, but as we're sort of seeing so far, noticed it with the QPR Grand Finals, it's just not at the level yet for professional sport. And as you have pointed out many a time before, Scott, it's a rugby ground first and foremost, and as it should be. It is the home of rugby, but for as long as the Raw want to be there, they are going to be the secondary tenant. So if, they, if they're playing there after uh, club games, uh, club grand finals or whatever, it's going to be rugby first, football second. We need a venue where football comes first. And I say that as a long-time Reds season ticket holder, long-time rugby fan, one of the remaining ones, um, Sayonara Eddie. But yeah, it's. I, I just genuinely believe we need that home of football and we'll continue to plug that while the petitions are open. Firstly, that's not what you said about Eddie Jones before we started recording, so we'll leave that there, that, but you are correct. That audio that, wasn't publishable. No, it was not publishable, but you're right. I mean, Ballymore, it's got potential, but it's nowhere near ready yet, and I think the, that the first couple of games there did show that, and you're right, it's always going to be rugby first and football second there. We do need somewhere where there's a high-performance centre for football here in Queensland, and Perry Park is the perfect place for that. Hopefully we can get that over the line at some point. At some point, and maybe in the near future, maybe not, but hopefully, so hopefully not too long down the track, because the game does need it. For sure. I do like that they are going to resurface the field after the game, the um, concert tonight, because I think it will genuinely need it. What's it? A week, uh, ten days from now is the um, next home game, so yeah, a bit of time to resurface it. And I think the the field should be better than it was for the last two because of that. For sure, and as for team building. Um, this is also a quote from Zach Anderson in his update. We'll be looking to evolve and improve both the A-League men's and women's squads in January 2024. We need to take certain risks and look to invest wisely in Ross and Alex's squads as we look to build upon positive results in the early stages of the season. Depth, quality, and strong foundations for the future is essential as we rebuild the playing rosters. For me, I feel like the men, aside from addressing the depth at the fullback positions, which... This seems to be coming about. Scott, where would you be addressing in the men's squad? I think you've got to look at it in terms of can you improve the squad? Because again, when everyone gets back fit and available, the Raw A-League men's squad is actually going to be in pretty good shape numbers-wise. So it's not about, about depth anymore. I think Burke Gilroy coming in helps fill that depth fullback position. It's just at the moment, there's so many defenders who are out injured that, they've, that they are down to the last available option. So when everyone's fit and available... I think you're pretty good across the board. 
it's a double-edged sword for me because if you bring in an attacking player who might be able to boost things in the front third slightly, you might get some might get some improved results or some more even better performances at the outside at the back end of the season. But that comes at the expense of the playing time of Tommy Waddingham and Ryland Brownlee, who particularly Waddingham is off is off to a great start to the season. So it's a double-edged sword. I think maybe one player in to boost the boost the depth in the midfield, perhaps, but that might be as far as I'd be willing to go. I think the back line, when everyone's fit and available, it will be okay. And again, at the attack, we haven't even you've got players like Jonas Markowski there as well, who we haven't really seen much of yet either. So I think. The attack will be okay. Defense, when everyone's fit, will be okay. Maybe one more player in the midfield. I want to see, you know, talk about talking about uh, taking certain risks. I'd actually be okay with them bringing in another striker to complement Waddingham. I think he's shown that he's more than capable at this level. But as the season goes on, I think, you know, the fatigue, the physical drain of leading the line week in, week out... He's still a young player. I think he's still got a way to go. Give them a striker that can come off the bench and sort of take some of that physical pressure off him as well. Maybe even start a game or two in the run home. I'm not going to say bring in this specific guy, but you look at someone with the physical profile of Aaron Amati Holloway, that big hulking target man, give yourself someone like that who... If you're chasing a game, I know they're all going to want to play a certain way, but someone who can operate as that sort of hold-up player and bring in those wingers as well, and if you're getting really, really desperate and you are just lumping balls into the box, someone who can win a physical challenge as well. You might be only using them for 30 minutes each week, but again, you look at that sort of... That's sort of the change I would be... uh, Not change, but addition I would be looking to make as well, where you do earn that little bit more variety... And to be honest, like you could very easily pop them up top with Tommy Waddingham as well. You could do. It's entirely possible. I think, it can add, I think adding one player to the mix might help give you... Again, if, again, they very much could be in the hunt for a top four finish here and maybe even more than that, the way the season is going. And if that's the case, have, adding an extra option to add some extra dynamism to the attack, particularly off the bench, to to help supplement the attack it might be a, a good idea if they can add that in January. I think the women's team, there's... A couple of players who've been out with injury for the season. Chelsea Blissett is out for the year with an ACL. So is Grace Kualumu. So there's a couple of players they have had in the squad they don't have available for the rest of the year. So from a numbers perspective, they could probably use a couple of players to bolster that if they can find some players to bring in for that squad for Alex Smith. And also it will allow Alex Smith to bring in some players to help maybe bring about the changes that he wants to make to the way that they want to play. So I think a couple of players in the women's team might not be a worst idea if they can find the, the right quality to bring in. Just thinking back to the how he worked at um, Mitchelton, uh, not Mitchelton, Penn Power, I wonder how many of those players he might have just put a little asterisk next to thinking if we can make something work. Like I know she's down at the victory or something, but Sarah D'Apollonia or uh, someone like that, could he look to bring them in, somebody familiar with or... Possibly even somebody worked with at Melbourne City over the years too. Possibly you can ask him on the weekend at the um, Western Sydney game on Sunday night. Oh yeah, it's it's just one thing we do know. Right, about. Yeah, he does have connections around the game. We could absolutely potentially lean on it's just if those players are available or not. Yeah, again, well, probably why Dapolonia wouldn't happen. But I'm just 
uh, thinking of players that he might know quite well. Bonnie Davies, did she ever wind up going anywhere? I think he might have been. A, she might have been a McGallo addition as well. Well, he worked pretty closely with McGallo as well. So <laughs> yes, he did. E- either way, like that's what I'm thinking as well. And keep in mind, there is arguably the biggest addition coming to the attack as well with Marielle Hecker uh, working her way back to full fitness as well, which I'm hoping will, when she comes back, will offset the loss of Kuilamu, but we'll just have to uh, wait and see. There are some promising players that were going around in the NPL as well. Just have to uh, see who comes through the ranks. Now, this weekend, we've got an early kickoff this Friday, 5pm Brisbane time. The Raw taking on Western United at Amy Park, and it is the Aloisi Derby, the first competitive version of that. And I suppose the only question that really uh, stands out for this game, Scott, is how desperate are Western United to get what will be a much-needed win? You would imagine they'd be very desperate, wouldn't you, after the way the results have been for them since I think they won in week one, and since then they've been on a bit of a losing streak. So I'm sure that desperation will be quite high for them to to bounce back in this game because, again, it wasn't a great performance away to the Central Coast Mariners. And back at Amy Park, I think, for the first time, they should think most of their games have been played out at Ballarat. So being back in Melbourne might give them a bit of a bit of um, a boost. Also, the Raw don't have a great record at Amy Park, as we continually state, although that is mostly against Melbourne City. The record against victory there is okay. So hopefully... It's a victory-esque type of performance, not a, not a City-type performance on the road from the Raw this weekend. But I expect them to be very desperate to get three points because if they don't get the points, I think the pressure will start to really ramp up on John Aloisi if they, if they do lose this game. Because, again, they'll start to be getting cut adrift too far at the bottom end of the table. And when that tends to happen in the A-League, it unfortunately leads to, to people looking at the coaching position. So I imagine the desperation will be quite high this week and something that Ross and the Raw are going to have to going to have to deal with. For sure, and I think you can start to see maybe a little bit of pressure coming up with uh, Aloisi's post... John, Aloisi's post-game comments last week where he said, I think that was the worst performance he'd seen in his time coaching, so... At some I think po- he said worst at Western United. Yeah, there we go. Because um, there were some frustrating performances when he was with the Roar as well. But you, you're right. do go back over those. <laughs> no. But yeah, I, I, and I think we've made no secret out of the time. I always liked dealing with John Aloisi. He was always really nice to us and had the time to chat, even though we were just starting out at the time. So didn't always have a reason to be nice to us, but hopefully you can get his side back on track after this weekend. Exactly. This weekend, hopefully... Uh a good performance from the Raw and three points, and after that, Western United, hopefully, they kick on as well. But I think the Raw, this is a good opportunity to try and put right a record in Melbourne that isn't great, to go down go down there. In, I, I'm hopeful that there's not going to be any other changes this week, because injuries aside, it's a pretty settled team. It's just the injuries continue to see the side having to make changes, isn't it? That's what, that's what all the changes have been about in the last few weeks. It's been all injury enforced, so hopefully they can get some players back for for this game and continue on their good form. Hopefully. All right. Uh, the women this Sunday at Parc de Paris in Bowen Hills. First game there for them this year. Now, do you know what time the kickoff is, Scott? Because I've seen a couple of different versions. I think it's 5 p.m. Brisbane time. I think so. I think it's 6 p.m. Southern time, 5 p.m. our time. Yeah. Okay. 
Just yeah, five pm our time, six pm down in New South Wales. Okay, I'm not going crazy then because I did see five pm, but I could have sworn earlier on I saw three. But definitely five pm. So a nice evening kickoff, and hopefully the uh, weather is cooperative as well. Yes, I think that's the danger of a five pm kickoff. It's not the the scorching three pm heat which we see on the women play at Park de Perry in last year, but five pm does lead you open to the potential of a typical Queensland summer storm rolling so hopefully they can not roll in on the Sunday we can get some good football in on Sunday evening at Park de Prix where I hope and expect to bounce back quite strongly after their performance down in Canberra at the weekend yeah this is a must bounce back game for them as well no ifs ands or buts about it if there is a game that they're going to uh, kickstart the Alex Smith era uh, winning record that's really bad sentence structure as well. I think it's I think it's a sign we're about to wrap up. But um, yeah, if this is how they're going to pick up the first win of the Alex Smith era, it's got to be this game, plain and simple. Well, I will say Western Sydney are coming into this game off of back-to-back wins against Western United and Central Coast. So they are in some decent form. Western Sydney, after their own coaching change at the start of the year, of course, don't forget they made the coaching change right at the start of the year and maybe they're starting to find a bit of form. So it could be a difficult game, but... I expect to all have bounce back in this game. They have to. Yep, plain and simple. And um, we'll have to see what Alex Smith has in store this Sunday as we'll be out at Parc de Paris taking in all the A-League action. And that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, James. I'm going to leave the um, hostage negotiations to you. My offer remains firm at a Snickers bar and half a can of Coke, nothing more. Is it a, a cold or warm can of Coke? Uh, warm. Yep, good. All right, that, that's, that's all I'm willing to go to as Nothing well. Nothing more than that. That's it. <laughs> well, we might be back as a uh, three-person show next week. We'll just have to wait and see. In the meantime, try and get out to Parc de Paris this Sunday evening. Should be a fun afternoon of football. Make sure you're tuning in Friday for the Raw Men as well. And we'll be back to review it all next week on the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later.